Welcome to the Not Just Any Business Podcast from Not Just Any CPA Firm, Honkamp Kruger. Here are your hosts for this episode, marketing partner and CMO, Nicole Gantz, and marketing supervisor, Amy Bell Qualick. Ladies, Welcome. Thanks for joining us on the Not Just Any Business podcast from Top 100 CPA and Business Consulting Firm, Honkamp Kruger. I'm Amy Belkwalik. And I'm Nicole Gans. And we're glad to have you back for this episode where we're going to talk about a topic no business owner can avoid, tax. But we're not just going to talk about tax. We're going to discuss what really went on with tax reform, how the landscape is changing when it comes to proactive tax planning, and what the future looks like with this disruption like blockchain tech. Our guests today are Kevin Schmidt and Josh Miller, both Han Kim Kruger CPAs and business advisors, and both survivors of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, aka Tax Reform Season 1. Kevin is a partner who has over 30 tax season in, bless your wife Val, and Josh is a tax manager with a decade and a half in, bless your wife also. So welcome to Kevin and Josh. Thank you. Thank you. So 1986 was the last time there was major tax law change. So how were you doing after this first season? What have the last few months been like for you? Oh, the last few months was long to an extent. Uh, we had uh, the major tax law change in December of 17. Uh, we did a pretty good job of getting ready for that, I think. But you just can't prepare for it. And when you have 20 to 30% more time in every return, with the number of returns that we do, that's a lot. Yeah, it was uh, no matter how much we uh, were able to actually sit down and prepare for tax season, it was, uh, there were still curveballs thrown at us. Uh, the things that you're, you can maybe foresee a little bit, but uh, at, at the end of the day, there's just a lot of headaches that, that came up and uh, I guess a lot of fires to put out all the way through during the, uh, during the, during the busy season. Yeah, but I think our staff handled it pretty well. We tried oh, to be prepared as we as oh, we absolutely. could. Yeah, um, absolutely. They were geared up for it, ready for it. Yep. So it's yep. nice to have tax season over yep. and start planning for next year. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely. So like we said, this is the first year with all the changes from tax reform. So how do you feel it went from a process perspective? I think from a process perspective, uh, we had some hiccups at, at the beginning just because of everybody. It was new to everyone. So there was, uh, with these new tax law changes, nobody was a, a seasoned pro. Uh, we had a, we had a good 12 months of preparation for it, but at the end of the day, we still had not done a tax return up until, you know, January that actually incorporated all these changes. So once you, once you got over those hurdles in the beginning and kind of established that expertise and had a few things under our belts. I think the process became a lot smoother after that. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's always going to be hiccups in any tax season, but the process at first took some ironing out. And, uh, by the end we kind of had it, had it ringing along and then deadline hit already. So it ended up working out well. Yeah. Every tax season is kind of like that though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 15, 16 weeks long. And the first four or five, none of the forms are out yet, none of the W-2s, none of the 1099s. The tax software is just getting released. So we're spending our time getting that put together. And then we start with our deadlines, farm deadlines March 1st, corporate deadlines March 15th, individual deadline April 15th. So by the end of tax season, we're humming along pretty good. It just takes four or five, six weeks to get in, get in rhythm. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it was the it, kind of the, a case of best laid plans. You know, it was uh, we everything that everything inside the process kind of was delayed 
whether it was releasing the forms, whether it was establishing the guidance from the IRS, uh, every, everything along the way was kind of delayed. The only thing that wasn't delayed was the, uh, the deadline at the end. So it's a lot of a race to get to a point where you were comfortable and then, like I said, we're by then you're almost done, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what about from a client perspective? Did you have a lot of questions and concerns, you know, comparing the tax from last year to this year? We, we did have a lot of that, and, uh, and we're very adamant about the, our planning process, uh, whether, you know, setting up projections last summer for all of our clients or working with our, especially our uh, business clients, on some in-depth planning. And so we had a lot of those questions answered back last fall. Uh, there's always gonna be new little things that come, that pop up, or there's people who weren't proactive or kind of resist that, that proactivity of, of, of actually planning that have a little more, have a few more things that pop out during tax season. But I think a lot of those questions we really were able to hammer down and had some, a lot of, uh, realize a lot of opportunities before January, you know, before mm -hmm. January, February came around so that it was just the compliance part. It wasn't the actual changing history kind of part uh, that we that we had left for ourselves at that point with the clients. Yeah. Last summer, we used our software to project for our clients what the new tax law was going to do to their tax returns. So we took their 2017 information and plugged in the 2018 tax law changes to it and sent that to every one of our taxpayers and then tried to follow up with them to say this is what it means. And we estimated probably 90% of our clients were going to see a benefit from the new tax law changes. Those 10% that didn't, that actually went backwards, we tried to work with them to say what can we do to mitigate you know, that hit. So the, the clients were, that we dealt with were pretty familiar already, but you can never just... Um, use the information from the prior year. You always got to use this year's information. And then the media didn't help out at all because everything you heard in the media this year was your refund's going to be less. You're going to owe more tax. So a lot of clients, I think, were a little bit worried coming in when we actually filed their return. There was a lot of that. There was, there was, there was definitely a significant amount of that uh, angst that was, uh, whatever it was, the reason, the media was the biggest reason. There was lots of lower lower tax refunds that those articles never really mentioned the fact that their, the tax itself was probably lower as well. They just didn't right. have, didn't withhold. So that's exactly what you're saying. It's uh, you get a few of those calls early on, but most of our clients knew that they, they knew what to expect coming in and they knew if they were going to have, there's, there was very few really large surprises. Um, and I think the ones, the, the biggest surprises out there were actually favorable in that uh, they're like, wow, we, we did all this planning and we re, you know, reformulated everything, set everything up right, but I really didn't realize how much we were going to save this year. So it was kind of a shocker, I guess, if you will. And that was probably one of the most valuable things for our clients is that you guys were proactive last summer. You got ahead of it and you, you kept them informed. So they weren't just, you know, in the dark until January rolled around. Right. We had a big, uh, a big push on that. I mean, even from the very get-go, like before last tax season, before tax season 2017, well, 2018 tax season for t filing 2017 returns, we had already had those town hall meetings that we were making sure everybody understood what was going on and really had a sense of urgency. Unfortunately, I think a little bit of that, that urgency kind of died out mm -hmm. within a year mm -hmm. when we actually had to deal with the, the actual change rather than just plan for it, mm -hmm. um, which kind of delayed our process a little bit and uh, created to the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 ball, the snowball effect uh, of tax season. 
Sure. So maybe this is a question for you, Kevin. You know, how does this compare to 1986? Uh, a lot of it was similar and a lot of it was different. Remember 1986, Ronald Reagan was president. And he was the first one, kind of like Donald Trump, that said, hey, we need to reduce tax rates. Ronald Reagan was a Republican. So let's reduce overall tax rates, put more money in people's pockets. But I can remember back then we weren't as large as we are now. There was probably 30 or 40 total employees. And I think there was three and a half of us in the tax department at that time. <laughs> but the partner at that time, Bob McQuillan and I, we sat down with every single one of our partners and every single one of our clients to go through what the tax law change was going to be. And we tried to do that as best we could before the tax season. But remember back then too, we were doing corporate returns by hand. We were actually filling them out you know, by hand and then making copies. Individual returns, we were filling out input sheets and sending them away to, to come back. So that's always a change. Mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to do that big of a law change you know, and do it manually, you gotta make sure you did it right. So this year, it's, it's similar. Whenever there's a law change, the software companies now have to get up to speed. In, what was it, Josh, January, when we finally got some final interpretations? Literally, it was, uh, it was the middle of January when they finally said, with uh, qualified business income, QBI was a hot word this year, and that, uh, that final guidance, they had issued some last August, August of 18, that we thought we were kind of going to go with for tax season, and then they came back out, I believe it was... Uh, I believe it was the third week in, in January, or the third week in January, that uh, uh, they came out with some more guidance to clarify everything. So to really make, uh, really, uh, really clarify everything, even though again the deadline wasn't pushed back at all. So we just had to kind of go with it at that point. It wasn't pushed back, but when was the government shutdown? The longest government shutdown we ever had was January into February too, wasn't it? Right, or, right. Early January, so. I mean, that was a change from 1986 till now. So the law was passed in 86. It was early enough in the year we had more time to plan for it. Still didn't have all the different interpretations that we needed. Sometimes that'll take three, four, maybe even 10 years before we get, you know, final interpretation on everything. But with the government shutdown, I think that was another reason that taxpayers really did and our clients didn't really have tax top of mind, you know. You had mentioned the QBI deduction. Can you elaborate more for our listeners on what that is all about? Sure, sure. Yeah, the QBI deduction. Uh, the gist of that is that it was a uh, it was a it was a favorable change that the government put through to give business owners a twenty percent reduction. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of details to it, but in gist, it's a twenty percent reduction for all of their business income, whether they're coming through a pass through, uh, you know, an S corp partnership type of thing, or if it's coming through. Uh, just on your regular uh, Schedule C or Schedule F uh, on your on your 1040 tax return, um, and it's that 20% deduction. There's a lot of again, there's a lot of details that required some planning for folks, especially if you had more than one business. But uh, that was the gist. So looking forward, you know, what do you see this year for maybe some issues or challenges um, for the client base for planning for next year? I think the biggest uh, challenge here is that we are still actually waiting for final regulations on almost all of this, uh, all, all the gray area stuff. So they've given us a, another supposedly final guidance. However, they still have not codified that. They've not uh, established the regulations and, and put those into, uh, into print. So it'll be, a, it'll be interesting to see when they actually give us those, if anything else has changed. We don't anticipate much of that uh, changing, but 
we uh, you, you never know. There's a lot of curveballs that are thrown out by the IRS, um, especially the people who are actually making the rules at the end of the day and the folks that are pr putting out the, uh, the the press releases for the IRS. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, di there can be a lot of divergence there. Um, I think that uh, I think that we'll see, in, in addition to the guidance itself, we'll see some, uh, we'll start seeing court cases and whatnot, not probably this year, unfortunately, probably be another year before we actually start seeing those. But uh, regardless, it's still going to be a, a thing that we got to stay on top of the planning uh, to make sure that we are, you know, maximizing all of the different uh, the different combinations of businesses, uh, making sure we have enough wages. Uh, there's all, a lot of different technicalities within there to to work through. But uh, it, it still comes down to being proactive and not having to try to rewrite history after the after the tax year is done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep in mind that when they passed this law in December of 2017, it was done in about a three or four week period. There were some congressmen, senators that didn't even read the whole bill. There were some notations made in the margins of the bill as it was being passed. So, which isn't unusual with a lot of tax law changes. I can remember 1986, there were a lot of that too. But typically, Congress will then follow up within a year with what they call a technical corrections bill, which says, well, this is how it got written, but this is really what we meant. So we're waiting for that technical corrections bill to come out. There's three or four things that, you know, we need a lot of guidance on that Josh was alluding to. The other thing that's out there is that for the last how many years, Josh, have there been what they call the extenders, certain provisions of the tax law that are automatically set to expire and do expire, but then Congress goes back and you know, extends them for a period of time. And in this case, they're still talking about going back to the beginning of 2018 with some of those tax law changes and extending those retroactively. Now, I just read something in one of the articles today that there's a bipartisan support uh, led by Senator Grassley from Iowa to do something about these extenders instead of having them extended all the time because they're incentives. They're supposed to be incentives. They're supposed to be out there to say, hey, if you do this, then you're going to win this way from a tax standpoint. Well, that really doesn't work if you're going backwards all the time. You miss the opportunity for the businesses to actually do something. Mm -hmm. So hopefully there'll be some action taken on that this year. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so there were, you know, a lot of challenges, like you said, with that guidance that still hasn't really been clarified. But, you know, what were some of the wins this year? Maybe things with, the, there were some counting method changes and that kind of thing that came through, right? Yeah, Josh, you want to talk about, that was yeah. one of the, the, the items that we didn't particularly plan on being as large of a benefit for the yeah. taxpayers? Yeah, the, the gist of that is that, uh, that in addition to this QBI deduction, this, this uh, qualified business income deduction, uh, they had a, uh, a lot of these uh, method changes, whether it be able to report on a cash basis or not uh, report all of your, not have to capitalize all your inventories, uh, various uh, method changes involved with construction companies in terms of how they account for their contracts. All of these were, uh, they were made a lot more, they were, I guess, a lot more favorable because they used to be limited to, to those taxpayers who were uh, reporting less than $10 million of gross receipts. Now they move that all the way up to $25 million. And for our clients, that's a big deal. That's, that, that opens up a large, large chunk of our clientele uh, and able to be able to, to, to look at that and to see if it is beneficial for them. Um, I was thinking about wins, as you said that, and there was, there's so many of the different ways that we've, uh, that we, 
when sitting down with people just to show them that they were going to be fully eligible, regardless of the fact that they were high income taxpayers, they were not going to have, they were not going to get uh, kind of um, uh, trapped in terms of the, the different, the different re uh, requirements of the, of the law. I think there was, was one in particular, there was a company that has, uh, it was four different, they're, they're set up in four different entities. And for whatever reason, we've had them, uh, one of those entities has kind of taken on most of the wages of the uh, of the operation, whereas most of the, uh, the other two, three of the other four entities took on the assets. And we also had those guys uh, set up, one of them set up on a fiscal year, where uh, the reason that, that matters for this is because it would not be eligible to be combined with the other entities, even though it's kind of function as, it functions as one kind of business itself. And uh, after just sitting down with them and saying, hey, here's why we want to do this. Here's here's why we want to move your year end. We're gonna we're gonna do two tax returns, basically a short year and a regular year. Get you all in the same boat. And at the end of the day, it ended up saving them over six hundred thousand dollars of of uh, of tax at the end of the day. So I mean, it's a it was a big win. It was a big win. Yeah. They had no and they had no in that case they had no expectation of that at all. They're like, oh, what do you mean you want to want to do another tax return? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's another tax return, but here's why. Here's why we're going to do this and get you on board here. Yeah, so it should be like that. Yeah, I think that's so important. And then you know, they have all these different entities doing all their work in one place. And I think that's really important when you're interpreting this law and you're working. What's working best for my operation? You know, I might have somebody preparing something for me over here, and then I go to a bigger firm for my bigger return. But really, it's really important to put it all together. Exactly. And see the big picture. Yeah, and that's uh, actually that's that's a good point, Amy Bell. Um, when that's another challenge that we have. We have a, a lot of clients, not not the majority, but uh, a significant number of clients who have uh, multiple tax preparers, whether it be for because they have various businesses or they are themselves minority owners of the business. Whatever reason, that's been that's posed a challenge, especially in this first year, because. Uh, a lot of people were dealing with the law a little differently. Um, and that doesn't mean that uh, that could mean as far as actually looking at the law and and uh, uh, interpreting it different. But it was more so just about what you're presenting, the information that you're putting out on, for instance, with the partnerships, with the S corporations, the information that you're putting out there on a K-1. Um, it was It was just a matter of it being different. Uh, you know, so we have folks who put together the individual returns here, and we have folks who put together the business returns here. And you have to take that information from the business returns and to put it on the 1040. And if you have multiple preparers giving you K-1s that have different things on them, different disclosures, you're like, well, what, what's going on here? So that's a that's definitely a challenge. And it was, mm -hmm. and it was uh, something that we had to constantly keep communication up with our staff, uh, especially amongst the various offices, to make sure that we're staying consistent, understanding what this, you know, what the heck it even means, and uh, ultimately to make sure that we're taking advantage of everything that we can in the law to minimize that tax liability. Sounds like they should move all their tax returns to Han Kim Kruger. That's a, uh, that would be yeah. a good idea. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Exactly. It seems like a good benefit anyway. Sorry, the marketer in me had to say that. <laughs> We'd have been disappointed if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not just tax reform wasn't the only big tax thing that happened this year. There was a lot to do with state and local tax. And, you know, that's something that in 2019, I think is going to be a big topic. So where do you see that working into all of this? That's a great question. And I think that's the biggest, uh, that's the biggest uh, gray area out there. I mean, 
when we talk about state and local tax, uh, we've been talking about, uh, from my perspective, I'm always looking at the income tax effect. And on that level, uh, we're looking at how they're going to interpret the Tax Cuts and Job Act. Are they going to take in the qualified business income deduction on the state level? Are they going to deal with this interest limitation? All the, I could start rattle off every all the different changes of this last year. But the, 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 the point here is how those states are going to react and how they're going to uh, keep that in line with the budget, their budget needs. Um, when we really look at the uh, the big effect of, of SALT, uh, of the state and local tax, though, this year, I think it was the uh, court case that came through late last year, mid last year, the Wayfarer case, that uh, really opened up the ability of states to tax those internet transactions. And that uh, there's going to be a lot of question on Am I, do I need, do I have a filing requirement? Do I need to pay paying sales and use tax to these various states? And I would say that, that way more so than, than income tax, it's those people who, those companies that are selling amongst all the different states in the union that uh, are going to, that need to look at what they're doing before they need to be proactive because there's a lot of liability that's sitting out there and the more proactive you are the more uh the more apt you are to wave your hand and say i'll give you a little bit of money so you don't come back and go back for the last couple decades and try to really hammer me um i think that that's uh there's opportunity there and there's and it's really just uh, it's just a matter of being responsible at this point to to look at your, at least sit down and look at your liability and decide, even if you aren't going to end up filing over there, what's my risk? Mm-hmm. And do you see, I mean, are clients even asking about this yet, or is it kind of hit or miss? You, you know, that's a great point. Uh, the the client, clients overall have not really been asking about that. They've been, they've, the income tax changes were so well publicized that that was top of mind. There was, everybody was asking about that. What does this mean for me? Even if it was folks who probably didn't end up necessarily being affected that greatly beyond just a small reduction in their tax, uh, their overall tax rate. Uh, the state, the sales tax is just something that I think that people just took for granted that they didn't have to deal with it if they didn't have a building in their, in that state. You know, if they didn't have people constantly uh, soliciting sales physically, you know, door to door, they figured, uh, you know, I think I'm good. I, 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 I sell things, but I mail them I think the term is common carrier, you know, so I don't have to worry about the liability there. But now, because of that court case, the the, the decision being overturned and whatnot, it's going to be a big deal. And states, as as, as states become shorter and shorter on their uh, on their budgets, uh, they're going to be looking at the the low hanging fruit. And if you have those sales, it's going to be something that they can easily look at and say, "Hey, here's what you owe us. Prove us prove us wrong." Mm-hmm. So definitely now a lot of CPA firms don't have a salt department. And so we have tax salt tax specialist on staff, correct? We, we do. To we do handle In the fact, specialty area, this complicated area. Yep. In fact, we have a full-time dedicated uh, staff to that. And, and uh, Scott Roddy is actually our specialist here in the firm. And he has a lot of experience working directly with those states to kind of what I mentioned before, be proactive and say, you know, we have been selling in your state. Uh, take it easy on us. Here's what kind of a, I think I forget the actual technical term, but kind of an offer and compromise mm-hmm. that uh, that says uh, we'll be we'll start filing from now on. Uh, mm-hmm. Just take it easy on us, and let's let's just start let's just start history right now versus 20 years ago. Yeah, sounds like a good future topic for us to have yeah. in a future podcast. Absolutely, yeah. just definitely another reason to be proactive with your tax planning.
So we have a little section in our podcast that we like to call what Alexa can't tell you. And so what we're going to ask you today is what Alexa can't tell you about the future. What does that look like? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) What's interesting is that, you know, the way our governments are set up, right? So we have an election every two years for Congress, every six years for the Senate, every four years for the president. And as much as we try to stay on top of everything and read the tea leaves, so to speak, on what's going to happen, you really don't know. And keep in mind that I think most people are forgetting that the current federal laws that we have, a lot of those expire at the end of 2025. So we're in the midst of looking at 2018. That's the filing season that we just had, right? But we want to make sure we're looking forward and not just 19 but 20, 21, 22, because the real planning and the benefit of planning comes in of looking at what's our end game, what's the end in mind that's out there. So I think, you know, we just have to be diligent. And you saw in the last election where the Democrats recaptured the House. So now you've kind of got a stalemate between the White House and the Senate and Congress. And in 2020, as we all know here in Iowa, because we must have about 30 Democratic presidential candidates coming, you know, it's, okay, what's going to happen if they get elected? You have some of the candidates saying, okay, we're going to have Medicare for everybody, and you're going to be able to go to college for free. Well, that has to get paid for somehow, and usually that means more taxes. So we're trying to stay on top of that as, as best we can. And then you start looking at the states. Here in Dubuque, we're on the corner of Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin. As Josh alluded to before, all the states are looking for more money. Maybe it's not income tax as much as it is the sales tax and some of those use tax or some of the gas taxes and things like mm-hmm. that. So I think it, it's easy for you know, our clients to say, here's what happened in 18. That's probably what's going to happen in 19 and forward. Not necessarily the case. And beyond, you know, just the tax, you know, there's a lot going on with technology and the way that's changing our industry and and a lot of industries out there. So, you know, what are you seeing in terms of how blockchain might be a disruptor? Another good question. So not even the tax area, but AI, artificial intelligence, blockchain uh, has the ability in our business, just like other businesses, to really make us more efficient. I think a lot of people are worried that it's going to take their job away. But the reality is it's going to make their job easier and more efficient so they have more time to do things. And in our case, it means how do we spend less time in some of the compliance issues? How do we spend more time with helping our clients plan and run their business? So one of the things that you know we're looking at, we're constantly looking at for our clients is how do we make taxes in particular a really good customer experience? So there's some really neat things coming down the road with electronic gathering information and delivering of tax returns. And Josh, you want to kind of expand on that? Yeah, sure. uh, And I think that comes all the way full circle back to the uh, beginning of our conversation when we were talking about our processes. Um, It used to be that, uh, and not so long ago, where you would just expect to get a big envelope, uh, put all your stuff in there, hopefully you remembered everything, fill out a few little questionnaire, and that was going to be your, uh, that was, uh, you, you have to mail that back, and then you'd call on the phone and 
figure out when you got what else you have to mail in and now we uh we want to make that more friendly even if if some folks that's all that that's how they want to deal with it and that's that's still fine uh it ends up taking a lot longer in the process but it's still something that we can do but for those folks who are ready to adapt to that new technology we have things set up where you can send all that stuff uh, virtually so not just sitting as an attachment to an email but actually giving you that portal that you can upload all of your documents throughout the year and then that's automatically something that your preparer that your that your that our your advisor here at Hong Camp can just access and uh, bring it up as soon as we're ready to go as soon as we're ready to actually prepare the tax return uh, and then we can switch you know and likewise going back and forth it's something that we're able to uh, you know pass back off you know pass back and and, that, and ask for that uh, those documents if you will mm-hmm. awesome it's great advancements we have going on yep. yeah it really makes it more of a collaborative effort you know with our clients and ourselves instead of clients sending in and then waiting around saying okay what's going to happen next we can be more real time with them and gather that information let them know where we're at when they can expect their tax return how does it compare to the tax plan that we did is it close or are we going to have issues or is it better was like one of those situations that you talked about before yep and then what i didn't even mention is uh the the ability for it to just connect straight to your information to straight to your 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 brokerage account or your bank account and actually just pull it up so you don't even have to be involved beyond the fact that you've given us permission to just access those tax those tax forms automatically as soon as they're issued out there so it's something that uh it's all of it is making it easier for the client mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're willing to just take the little bit of leap of faith and say hey maybe i could just look at this for a second um obviously you know sometimes it's a it's a it certainly is easier just to dump it into an envelope um it's certainly going to take more time though honestly than, than just put, uh, dragging it on you know click and drag it to over to your folder in your portal there um, and especially if you're able to connect those where you literally take zero time mm-hmm. uh, to have all of those all those documents uploaded for us and uh, you don't have to worry about any kind of uh, 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 errors in terms of scanning back and forth or any kind of uh, things getting lost in the mail not that that's not much of a concern really but there's all sorts of reasons why a paper uh, the, the actual paper going through the process doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense if we can if we can take the time up front to set that up set that set those connections up mm-hmm. yeah then on the back side we're, well, right now we've just been talking about how do we gather that information it's but on the back side it's the electronic delivery of the return mm-hmm. you know i can remember way back when in 1986 and beyond you know clients would have you know file cabinets full of tax returns that they had to keep well now with the technology they have the ability to have all those tax returns maybe on a flash drive Yep. So the, the challenge for the client is going to be, how do I keep track of all this? Where do I keep this? Do I have a separate hard drive? Or where, what if it's on my computer and my computer crashes? So we're trying to help them you know, manage that as well. So it's all about how do we make it efficient to gather the information, get it to us? How do we then get it back to the client in an efficient manner so that they, exactly, they know exactly what's going on and when? Yep. And it's just, it's just all the way through, again, I can't reemphasize enough that it's all just a matter of convenience for the client at the end of the day. If we, again, we have to take a little bit of that time up front, but once you're there, it's all at the, you know, literally a click of a click, click of the mouse that you could access all of this, this information that you need, uh, whether it's to send it to us or it's to keep track of it down the road. So. Well, it sounds like you're really taking that client experience into consideration with something that's so difficult 
uh, time for people and businesses in that filing Texas, especially in change and uncertain times? What is the ultimate client experience? What is in the best interest of our clients? Yep, exactly. I mean, people get busier and busier lately, so it's uh, it's always figuring out wherever we can be, build those efficiencies, whether mostly to save time, but also to make sure that we're not forgetting things. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that we're we're getting that ease of use that we can uh, collect that data as as we go out throughout the year. Well, you think about it, it you know that. The kids, I call them kids, but that's anybody other than 40 probably. You're used to having everything at your fingertips, mm-hmm. right? You've got your smartphone. You can go grab anything that you want. So we have to make sure we're looking at that from a tax delivery standpoint as well. How do we make it as easy and as accessible as possible? And once you have that, once you have that electronic delivery of the return, now you have the ability to send it to your bank if you, the bank needs it or send it to wherever you need. So, again, it's the client experience. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's been quite a last couple of years, wild couple of years at Han Cam Cougar. I just want to know personally from each one of you what you do right after April 15th is over. I uh, I usually take a long nap. Uh, <laughs> no, no, my uh, my honeydew list is usually pretty long by that time, uh, and mostly it's the, the biggest part of that honeydew list is to uh, just give my wife a weekend off. Uh, I have a two and a half year old and a one year old oh, wow. at home. So uh, she, they, they, they keep taxis and very busy for my wife. Uh, so I'm trying to just, <laughs> just to schedule some weekends out with the family and, and also just to give her a little bit of time to unwind uh, in, in addition to, again, catching up with sleep because mm-hmm. that's, that's the first thing. <laughs> I always take the day after literally to sleep in. And, uh, but, uh, but then there's a lot of work to still do. And then obviously not even talking about work yet, but, uh, it, 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 it a lot of that work has kind of, uh, with how much all the different changes that came through, there's a lot of the, the actual filing and whatnot to keep, to mm-hmm. keep us busy. So there's plenty of work to do this summer as well before we get into the real planning season here in a couple months. So yeah. Yeah. Kevin, how about you? Well, we always take the day after tax season, my wife and I, and we go fishing. It could be 50 degrees, it could be 80 degrees, but <laughs> just getting outside, we love the outdoors, so being able to get out of the office, put the leave the phone in the truck and don't take it on the boat and just be out there in nature is the way that I kind of recoup, you know, for that one day. But then like Josh said, then it, everybody thinks tax season's over on April 15th and the deadline and the pressure's over. And no, we just don't all go golfing for the rest of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what everybody thinks that accountants do yeah, in the yeah. summertime, but we're, we're pretty busy um, yeah. making sure we're getting ready. But, you know, I got to commend our staff. They did a great job. Um, they get a little bit of downtime as well. They're already looking forward to to say, okay, how do we make it better for next year? How do we make it better for our clients? How do we make it better for each other so that, you know, each year can improve on itself? Yeah, I think the big challenge uh, uh, within is to try to figure out how to get all the work done and also try to get back into the personal life swing of things. I mean, uh, it was it, it seems like you get really used to those 60, 70 hour weeks so you can pack everything in somewhat more easily uh, but uh, the trying to do that exact same thing in a 40-hour week it, it takes a little bit getting, getting used to again mm-hmm. so it's uh, just kind of uh, reining yourself in I guess is the, is the uh, term there the, the challenge yeah well with all those hours at least you can know that all the hard work and planning and proactive planning you do at Han Camp Career really makes a difference in people's lives Absolutely. Absolutely. It really does. I mean, it's, 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 
that's what it's all about at the end of the day is, is making sure that we're not letting go of any opportunities. We're not uh, backing down from any challenges that they might face in their business and uh, making sure that we're putting them in the best possible position going forward and not uh, kind of not not trying to rewrite history. I think I think we had that cliched term uh, before, but not trying to rewrite history, trying to make trying to make the history, not, not rewrite it after the fact. So uh, making sure that we're involved and understand everything that's going on as we go through the year rather than trying to you know change it after the fact absolutely i think that's an excellent final thought for our listeners so thank you kevin and josh for being with us today i really appreciate it you're welcome thanks so that'll do it for today's episode thank you again to our guests kevin schmidt and josh miller for sharing your wisdom and the wonderful conversation and a thank you to happy smith productions for producing this episode if any of our listeners would like to receive a complimentary review of your business or individual tax return check out our podcast episode on that topic which is called a tax gap review or call us at 888-556-0123 email us at info at or shout out to us via our social media pages. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future hot topics. We'll see you next time on the Not Just Any Business Podcast.